They may be called the next generation, but they're the church of today. Reach, disciple, and mobilize students to share the hope of the gospel. This is Next Gen On Mission with Shane Pruitt. Hi friends, Shane Pruitt here on the Next Gen On Mission podcast. And today we have Clayton King with us. Clayton King is the teaching pastor at New Spring Church in South Carolina and founder of Crossroads Summer Camps and Crossroads Missions. Been in 50 countries, has written 17 books, and is married to his best friend. And they have two teenage sons that they adore. Clayton also can talk backwards and has killed three bears. What's up, my friend? How are you doing, Clayton? I'm good, Shane. How are you, buddy? Hey, man, three bears. Did you do that barehanded? I did. Yeah, I did it barehanded. One hand held the barrel of the gun, the other hand pulled the trigger. Oh, there you go, man. And talk backwards. Give me a yeah. real brief example of that. Um, well, give me something to say, and I'll uh, I'll recite it back to you backwards. All right. Uh, my name is Clayton King, and I love Jesus. I'm Mains and not Yalganik, and I all says <laughs> Wow, man, that's impressive, man. That's impressive. Yeah, I don't know how I do it. I personally think that people who can talk backwards um, are are geniuses. Yeah. Uh, there's no scientific proof of that. It's just my theory. <laughs> and you happen to be able to do it. Yeah, I learned how to do it in the fifth grade. We had a contest to see who could do the weirdest thing at recess one day. And all of a sudden I realized, wow, I know how to talk backwards. And I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> it's impressive, man. Almost as impressive <laughs> as killing three bears with your bare hand. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually looking at the one of the bear rugs is hanging on my wall right now. I hope that's not offensive to any guests. I just feel like a bear is ahead of me on the food chain, so they have a fighting chance. You yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> no doubt. Hey, man. Well, <laughs> hey, the topic we're going to talk about today, Clayton, is gospel invitations and the next generation. So as we jump into that, just briefly share with the listeners about what we need to know about the next generation. And Clayton, I asked that question to everyone uh, on this podcast, and I love to hear all the different answers. So what do we need to know, big picture, briefly, about the next generation? Okay, so I love big picture. I'm a bottom line kind of guy. Two things I would say about the next generation. I have two teenage sons. Um, I just had lunch with one of them, and, and also have been in youth ministry for 33 years. Here are the two big things. Number one, this generation is no different than any generation that's ever come before it. And number two, this generation is completely different than every generation that's ever come before it. Um, I think if you're going to do effective ministry uh, to the next gen, you've got to keep those two things in mind. Because in one sense, nothing has changed with the human condition. People were still uh, created in the image of God born as image bearers, broken, fallen in their sin. They're wired for connection. They need human interaction. They need to know that God loves them. They need to repent of their sins. They need to be saved. Those things haven't changed. But at the same time, this generation, uh, they're digital natives. They grew up with iPads and iPhones. They grew up watching screens. They don't talk on the telephone. They don't like to watch TV shows on the actual television. Um, they know everything about everything and sometimes very little about anything because their attention spans oftentimes are so short. And so I think that we have to be able to be, um, in the words of Jesus, if I could borrow his imagery, wise as serpents, harmless as doves, understanding that the same message still applies to this generation, but our methods have to be a mixture of old and new 
uh, cutting edge and classic. Man, that's such a great word, Clayton. And you're so right. Uh, my 13-year-old daughter, she does not watch TV, but she watches YouTube constantly. And it's so weird to me. She will watch videos of other teenagers playing video games. It, it blows my mind. You know, I remember whenever... Oh, yeah, mom- Yeah, I remember whenever I was a teenager, my dad would be like, hey, get off that Super Nintendo and go outside. Now I tell her, hey, get off of YouTube watching other people play video games and play your own video games, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Man, the times have changed. Yeah, my kids will sit on the couch with me and my wife while we're watching a TV show, and they'll watch YouTube videos sitting beside us on the couch while we're watching TV. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Hey, and so, hey, Clayton, speaking of that, things that have never changed things that are changing. Let's talk about gospel invitations, altar calls, response times, etc., whatever you want to call them. For the pastors, student pastors, next-gen leaders that are listening, and maybe they're theologically wrestling with doing response times or altar calls, what wisdom would you give them? Well, Shane, I'm so glad when you first asked me to talk about this topic, I I, I literally, my heart rate um, went up because this is my zone. This is where I live. here's the wisdom I would give. Um, Give invitations. Invite people to give their lives to Jesus, specifically this generation of students. There are a couple of reasons, I'm going to try to be real brief with this, that people don't give invitations. I'm talking about student pastors, even senior pastors, and even the itinerant speakers. You know, I was in the itinerant world, and I still live in that world, even though I'm a pastor now as well. There are really several reasons why people shy away from invitations. Number one, they've never seen it done well. Uh, They've seen invitations that were manipulative or shallow. They've seen invitations that were meaningless or generic. um, And and that kind of turns people off. Another reason that people don't give invitations is because they have a theological reason why they don't. And, hey, we can have that conversation in in a healthy way. Uh, because maybe their own tribe believes, well, why give an invitation if God's just going to save whoever God's going to save? Um, I think the third reason why some people don't give invitations is because they've never seen it done well, and they've never been trained how to do it biblically. So I would say take those three reasons, and if we could just compartmentalize them, maybe slide those to the side, and let's look at a proper, good, biblical, healthy way to invite the next gen to begin a relationship with Jesus. We don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. You know, I I got recently, I I received a speeding ticket. My fault, I haven't had one in years. I'm not going to stop driving my truck because I made a mistake and got a speeding ticket. I drove, I broke the law, I got in trouble. Well, now I'm going to correct that behavior. I look at invitations that way. Just because some people have done them incorrectly or because you've never seen one done properly or biblically doesn't mean that you throw out the theology of inviting students to repent of their sins and come to faith in Christ. I think the the most important element, though, of this issue is that we are actually proclaiming the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ in a compelling and winsome and interesting way that is true to scripture and true to who Jesus was. If we preach the gospel and we talk about our brokenness and our sin, our need for repentance, the command from scripture that we believe in our heart, that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And then we give them the opportunity to actually ask Jesus to take control of their life. 
We need to trust the sovereignty of God, whether you're a Calvinist or not. We can trust that the sovereignty of God is bigger than our understanding of it. And if we properly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to draw people. I always go back to the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. When he was, uh, by God's grace, brought into close contact with Philip, the evangelist, he's reading the scripture, the Spirit of God is calling him to salvation. And what does he say to Philip when Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? The Ethiopian says, how can I understand unless someone explains to me? And that's the job of the youth pastor, the student leader, the senior pastor, the evangelist. We get the great ability, the great honor to explain the gospel, but the gospel has not been properly or completely explained until we've explained how to believe it and how to receive it. That's where the invitation comes in. And so I am a big advocate. I put all my cards on the table. If we're teaching and preaching the gospel, we need to be telling people how to actually get saved and be born again. It's not rocket science. We just have to trust that the gospel does the work. The gospel is the power of God for salvation, and we leave the results up to God. Man, such a great word, Clayton. Hey, so in that line, in light of the next generation, do you think the next generation, do they still respond to invitations? And in that, what invitations have you seen working really well with the next generation? Huh. Well, I can tell you without question, they're still responding. Just uh, two weeks ago, I spoke in Macon, Georgia at the uh, Georgia Baptist, what we used to call YEC, Youth Evangelism Conference. It's called um, MOVE, the MOVE Conference. This is just two weeks ago. And we saw, I believe it was over 600 students publicly respond to the gospel. Amazing. That is, these are teenagers. They stood to their feet, eyes open, lights on, everyone looking, and they gave their lives to Jesus. Now, I'll tell you, I think there's more than one way to skin this cat, to to borrow an old phrase. Yes. So I think so much of how a person extends an invitation is a result of their personality and their spiritual giftings. Um, There's more than one size. Uh, It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. I will say, though, in my experience with a handful of guys I know that are still proclaiming the gospel boldly and giving public invitations for people to repent of sin and be saved, what I'm seeing in this generation is that the more bold the proclamation of the gospel And the more bold and clear the invitation, the more students respond to it. This generation is, they're not easily fooled. And so um, I don't, I hate to use the phrase seeker sensitive because that's so 25 years ago (laughs) and it comes with baggage, but the approach to proclaiming the gospel to teenagers doesn't have to be as soft as I think some of us were trained Mm -hmm. in seminary and Bible college and undergrad. I think the more bold we are, the more we talk about the hope of the gospel, the love that God the Father has for us in His Son, Jesus Christ, drawn by the Holy Spirit, and clear, bold invitations that call for an answer and a response right here, right now, that's working. And everywhere I'm going, it's working. We're going to have 2,200 students this weekend at our conference, our Crossroads Conference in Gatlinburg, and I'm going to give a bold invitation on Saturday morning, and I believe we're going to see hundreds of kids respond. And um, one thing I think that is sort of a a roadblock for some folks, they're scared that students won't know what they're getting into. And I have a response to that. I have several responses. First of all, 
did you know what you were getting into when you got saved? I sure didn't. <laughs> no. I mean, I knew enough to know I didn't want to go to hell, yeah. and I wanted Jesus to be my, my friend and my master. I still don't have a clue what God has in store for me. The Bible actually says our minds cannot conceive of the things that God has prepared for those that love him. So let's not use that as an excuse to not give bold invitations. No student knows everything they're getting into when they give their life to Jesus. The second thing is a lot of folks will say, well, what happens to them after they get saved? That's where the local church, the local body of Christ, gets the great joy and the great responsibility of partnering with the Holy Spirit to build mechanisms and systems and processes and procedures. At New Spring, what we call is just family. We have a church family where when someone comes to Christ, whether they are 12 or 90 years old, they're going to be involved in, invited into a family, a seat at the table where they're going to have spiritual brothers and sisters and spiritual fathers and mothers. So I think the more bold we can be with an invitation at this stage uh, with this generation, the more we're going to see them respond because it's so clear what they're actually committing to. Clayton, man, I completely agree. And I know you've probably seen this as well Is you know, I've been around some faithful brothers who preach the word of God. They'll exegete a text well. They'll preach boldly and confidently. And then when it comes to that response time or the invitation time, you almost see they'll lose their confidence and they'll start stumbling all, all over themselves. And, and maybe it's the pressure we put on ourselves of like, oh man, I really want somebody to respond or, or I don't want to say anything wrong or mislead somebody theologically, or I don't want to do the invitation badly and abuse it like I've seen in the past. But man, what you said is spot on. Listeners, I pray that you write that just simple statement down. Preach boldly, preach confidently, give an invitation boldly and confidently. Man, that is solid gold. Thank you for sharing that. Hey, Clayton, in that same line, uh, just real briefly, can you give us like maybe one area where we maybe do uh, invitations uh, in a way with the best intentions, uh, but we still may do it in a way that sets us up for failure or the person responding for failure in the long run? Yeah, briefly put, I think the biggest mistake we can make other than not giving an invitation is giving a generic invitation that is confusing and unclear. And preachers are, I, I'm, I am guilty of this. Sometimes our ego can secretly be tied to how many people respond. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be careful that we don't give all inclusive general invitations that confuse the people who are responding. So when I preach the gospel and I give an invitation, if I'm specifically aiming for the hearts of people that may not know Christ, that I'm going to say multiple times in my message, I'm not asking you to rededicate. Yeah. I'm not talking about recommitment. I'm talking about repentance and salvation. You get 30 or 35 minutes to explain it. So the way that we use that time sets us up to win or lose at the invitation. And I have learned to be very clear and very precise to say biblical words like you are giving your life to Christ. You are repenting of your sin. You are being born again. You are crossing over from death to life. Using biblical language during the invitation, um, that's a very tender moment for a person when they're coming to faith in Christ for the first time. And so I think that we trust the Word of God by using the Bible's own language to describe what they're doing. So I just I would rather not give an invitation than to give one that's generic and all-inclusive because those can be meaningless. And in the future, the enemy can use that to confuse people about when and where they actually began their relationship with Jesus. Yeah, so true. A clear gospel proclamation, 
a clear gospel invitation is what I wrote down right when you were saying that. That's awesome, man. I love it, Clayton. All right, so hey, we always yeah. close this time together in Next Gen on Mission podcast with basically saying the same thing. So an on-mission charge. The heart behind this podcast is to see the next generation realize they are the now generation. Not the future of the church, but the church right now. We have a mission now. So give us one closing thought on this and one practical next step to move forward in being on mission, being the church now. Well, I'm living in a a house. My wife and I have two teenage boys. They're 17 and they're 14. They love Jesus. They love uh, the church. They love the gospel. And my boys do not, we have trained them. You are not the church of tomorrow. You are the church of today. The most practical thing I could say to, 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 to anyone listening right now is work where you are. Your mission field is wherever you find yourself standing right now. So if you're in line at Starbucks, share the love of Jesus with somebody. If you're in line at the grocery store, share the love of Jesus with someone. If you're sitting in chemistry class and you're trying to remember the answer to an equation, you pray that God gives you an opportunity to share the love of Jesus with someone right there. You don't have to go on a mission trip. You're on mission right now. Incredible. Clayton, thank you so much, my friend. This has been awesome, man. It feels like a wealth of just knowledge and almost like seminary uh, class in a very short time, man. So thank you so much. Love it. Uh, hey, how can people connect with you? Just go to ClaytonKing.com. That's our website. Uh, we also have a very large presence on social media. If you just search my name, Clayton King, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, uh, our ministry will pop up on there. We have dozens and dozens, I'd even say hundreds of free resources from blogs to podcasts to books and Bible studies. And uh, my wife also has a great podcast as well. It's called Overcoming Monday. And uh, that's a really great place to connect with us. Awesome. Thank you, brother. Thank you for listening to the Next Gen on Mission podcast. If you have questions on reaching the next generation, please email us at evangelism at nam.net. We'll try to address those on future podcasts. Thank you for hanging out with us today. We'll talk to you again soon.